You are listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 179, sponsored by Shiguri, Death Frenzy by Funimation, Instock Trades, and Coast City Styles. Hey, and welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 179. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with... Donna Kilpatrick. And... Ron Richards. It's good to have you guys back. Here's what I learned last week. No one cares when we don't do the show. (laughs) Hey, can you guys not do the show as often? Oh, okay. Sure. Uh, ifanboy.com is the website from from whence we hail. We like comic books, so we started that website. We read a lot of comic books. Every week we read a bunch of them, then one of us picks the best one. We call that the pick of the week. A review goes up on Wednesday nights. Then we come here, we talk about it on this podcast, other books from the week, and some other stuff. Before we get to the show, we're going to be talking about the books that came out in this past week, which means that there shall be spoilers. So if you have not read your books yet, go back and read them, then listen to this. It'll be a much, much more satisfying experience. And before we get started, be sure to tune in at the end of it because we've got some giveaways to announce. Seems like there's a lot of giveaways. Yeah, there are a lot of giveaways. So tune in at the end of the show for if you're an iFanboy member to find out if you won. Awesome. Pick of the week goes to a man to whom I do not envy his duties, and that's Connor. Well, not only did the writers who hosted last week do a good job, which we should all commend them for last week to hosting the show, but they had a great week of comics to talk oh, about. They really I did. Want to, yeah. I want to talk about a painful week that I was like, oh my god, I want to talk about Captain America comics so bad. Look at page three. They had that. They had Irredeemable. They had Destroyer. They, they had, had Flash like, Rebirth. Uh, Flash Rebirth. They had all these great books to talk about this week. Eh, not so much. Pickings are slim this week. Everybody's like, wow, the pick went up early. I didn't have that many books. <laughs> 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 didn't have a lot of reading to do, so it didn't, didn't take me forever to get the pick up. But this week, the best book ever was Batman Battle for the Cowl number two, and I'm assuming, Josh, you didn't buy this because you hated the first one. That would be correct. You made right. me want to read it, though. So I can say, say anything I want, and you wouldn't know. Yeah, and I'll just true. be like, no. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, but I, you, I literally, like, I read it, I was like, maybe I missed something. Maybe I, maybe I would love this, but I don't think I would. Battle for the Cow is a three-issue miniseries that bridges the end of Bruce Wayne, Batman, and the new era of the new Batman, which we all know is going to be Dick Grayson. So this is the mini where they battle it out, all the three sons. What I found reading this issue was mainly this is a story about fighting brothers. And if you have a brother... You know, brothers tend to fight. Not always physically, but it's just brothers battle, battle it out. Especially when it comes to, I haven't, you know, had this situation happen to me. But when you have to, when you have to step up and take over the family, when your father dies or whatever, whatever happens, suddenly it becomes who is going to be the new patriarch. And in this sense, because we're in the comic book world, because it's the Batman world, because it's who's going to be the new Batman, the fight becomes physical. But really, at the end of the day, this is a story about Dick Grayson. Jason Todd and Tim Drake fighting it out to be the new Batman amongst themselves and amongst their own personal feelings about being Batman. That's really what the heart of this story is about. What Can I, I ask, why do they have to fight for it? Well, because Jason Todd is an asshole. Okay, but, and why, so, but why are Dick and Tim fighting for it? They're not fighting each other. Ba- it's basically everybody fighting Jason. So it's basically everyone trying to keep Jason out. Basically. Well, uh, there, and I should preface this by saying there are a lot of people on the, on the interwebs who – I hate when people say that, and I just did it. And yep, fuck you me. did. You uh, really did. <laughs> um, spell it in tar webs uh, with a Z. Uh, fucking hell. 
there's a lot of people who think that, that the character in this who is meant to be Jason Todd isn't actually Jason Todd, and there is some compelling evidence for that, but the characters in this book identify him as Jason Todd and call him that, and he doesn't correct them, so I have to assume that this is Jason Todd until who, proven otherwise. Who, can, who else can it be? Who can it be now? Sorry. Yeah, the theory is that it's <laughs> Asriel. <laughs> <laughs> Later, I'm going to work a Down Under. Uh, oh, Africa. That's a, that's a great song, though. So if you do, John all the more parts of you. Africa. You just smile, <laughs> give me a Vegemite sandwich. Anybody out there might, who's wondering what the hell's going on, there's not a lot of talk about this week. We're just going to sing 80 songs. <laughs> and we're going to do the safety dance in about 10 minutes. <laughs> I've been doing it for the last five. Where have you been? <laughs> uh, it's a safety dance. Huh? Um, so... so <laughs> There's well, a lot of kids listening now going, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> oh, man. We're in a John Hughes movie again. <laughs> so <laughs> we're just going to assume this is Jason Todd for the time being because that's what oh, – So it could, it, could be, it could be Azrael? That's what people think. And the thing that's the thing about comics is there's always the who's behind the mask thing. And you don't get away with that in like movies and TV because you can hear the voice. Right. Whereas they can basically do whatever they want. But we're just going to assume it's Jason Todd. In, at the end of the first issue, Batman's dead. Gotham's in flames, all the criminals are out of Arkham, and the Black Mask is returned to, to wreak havoc on the city, and Dick Grayson returns to help, but he won't put on the costume, because he did it once already, and it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of psychology involved in becoming your father. No, that's not why. It's because he can't fit all that hair in the cowl. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Will someone cut his hair? <laughs> it's not even like good long hair. It's just like, we're gonna, it's like Superman in the 90s long hair, where we'll yep. just draw the back of his head long. Yep. So at the end of the first issue, Tim Drake stepped forward and said, screw this, I'm going to do it if no one else will. And put on, put on the old Batman suit with the oval chest uh, bat symbol. And then at the very end, this rough-looking Batman with a, with a face mask and two guns showed up. And so this issue is all about fighting that guy who, who we assume is Jason Todd. and Hockey Batman? Hockey, hockey face Batman. Yeah. And it's really, it, it really did a good job of breaking down their different personalities. And for me, it really illuminated the, the three sons really well t- through action. Dick's the oldest. He's the most responsible. He's already had the responsibility thrust on him before. And so he doesn't jump into it lightly. Everybody's like, why doesn't he just do it? Because he's already done it once. And he sees that it's not easy. And it's not easy to jump into your father's shoes. And especially if you had to try it before and you didn't do well. So he's wrestling with that. And Tim is the young one who's impetuous, but he's also the smartest. And he sees this has to be done. So he's going to do it even if he's not ready. And he's just not ready to be that Batman. That's just, he's too young. He doesn't have the uh, experience. But he sees it needs to be done, so he does it because that's, he's, he's very responsible in that sense. And eventually one day he's probably the one most suited to being Batman, but he's not there yet. And then Jason is full of resentment. He's full of rage. He always never lived up to Dick, and he, n- nobody ever let him forget that. <laughs> I'm <it's> sorry. <laughs> and we still don't know why he – like why is he not dead? Because Superboy punched the fabric of time and he came back alive. That's, that's – I hate – that's retarded. Well, it's the same way that it's the same way that, that Superboy came back. The same way that Superman from Earth Two came back. They just you know it's it's a it's a device. I know, and it's just not that's the details that aren't, aren't really important. I really think that the dynamic aspect of the three of them fighting and their different personalities is really interesting, and it makes for a great story. But like, whenever I think of Jason Todd, like that was the point of him. But anyway, I mean, he he, he makes an interesting villain now that he's back. But I just don't want him to be back. He's you know, yeah, I don't. And, it, you're, and it's totally like a continuity nerd thing going on here that I tend to not endorse. But what? I can't help I, – like, like when people get all nitpicky about continuity, like I, it's annoying. But in this case, like it's the only reason that oh, – I know the, that character because he died. Like, yeah, just, but same, same could be said for Barry Allen, for any character sure, that sure. died. No, I know, the, I know. 
but basically, what really got me this issue through these fighting scenes, you really got a sense of who these guys are and their relationship and why this is so difficult for them. And that's it's not easy. It's not like, you know, why doesn't Dick just put the suit on Sam Batman now and then? You don't even need this series because you have to go through the process of acceptance. And he has to accept the fact that he's the father now and that he has to take responsibility. And it's not easy. It's just not easy being in that situation. You know, it's not, you can't just jump in and say, all right, my dad's dead. Now here I go. It's, it's tough. So. so, so for those of us not reading it and who are looking at the Battle of the Cowl ads in the DC books, mm-hmm. so the the Batman with the yellow oval with the bow staff is Tim, right? Yes. And right. now we've seen the hockey mask with the guns is Jason Todd, right? Assuming yes. All right. So and assuming so assuming the guy in the center is going to be Dick when he dons the uniform, and then right. and then the guy to the right of him is that is that Two Face or like the the red and blue costume? He hasn't actually he hasn't showed up. So but yeah. We would guess. Fascinating. But. I'm not reading it. Right. I'm not going to read it. But I like. I like. I like to know who's who. You know. Well, there's a lot of peripheral characters in the series, and they're all on, the, on that art. But the, really, the main focus is the three, the three sons. That's really what it's about. It's about right. sons becoming the father and or not becoming the father. Right. And if you've been spoiled, you know how it turns out. But it doesn't turn out cleanly, which we'll, you know we'll get to when it actually happens. It's, it was just a really strong character study through action, and Tony Daniels taking a lot of heat for his writing. This was leaps and bounds better than the first issue in, in almost every way. The, the writing was better. The art was better. It felt like he had a better handle on everything, much, much stronger than the first one. It was a strong character piece, which was impressive in that the story moved quickly. This is a three-issue mini. It's not a six-issue mini. You think normally every mini is six issues these days, and you would, it takes a year to draw this out. No, they're, they're getting it done in three issues. The story moves quickly. There's not a lot of time wasted. There's a lot of fighting it's a brutal, brutal, brutal fight between Tim and Jason where Tim smacks Jason with a crowbar in the face. And, and that's, that's important. Some people may, should know because Jason got the tar snapped out of him with a, with a crowbar by the Joker back in his ah, good right, point. death story. Right the Joker blew him up and killed him. Yeah. And then at the very end, you know, they're fighting and the camera pulls back and you see that Jason has shivved Tim in the ribcage with a batarang that's sticking out of his chest. It's a brutal fight. Jason has his own bat cave and he has like criminals chained up in there starving to death i've made my my distaste of him well known people are always emailing me saying they think he's cool and they like him they don't know why i hate him and if you still think he's cool after this issue then, like, then dc's <laughs> clearly decided to position him as a, as a wackadoo yeah i mean he's a bad guy he's a villain you're not supposed to like him mm-hmm. but it was just it was strong in that sense and in the other sense that there was not a lot of strong books to pick from well, so normally we don't qualify. So there's like a one percent qualifier on this one. Well, I'm really, I'm really one percent. I'm really interested because I like to bet on what I try to guess what you guys are going to pick. And I would have thought that Wolverine Weapon X by Jason Aaron would have had a chance, or would have, would have, 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 made, made the cut. They all had a chance. Ron. Well, yeah, I know, you know. What I mean, <laughs> there were probably three or three books that had a chance. Wolverine Weapon X was good. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I a lot like of books you. was good or good. It was just, you know. I think Jason Aaron's perfect for Wolverine. I think he's perfect writer for Wolverine. Yeah, he really nailed. I, I really like this issue. He really nailed the, nailed the characterization. There was some fun stuff. There was some brutal, brutal stuff. You don't often see Wolverine just cut people up. Yeah, at least not in the superhero books. Sleeping on the Bart. Uh, I like that. Sleeping on the Bart and cutting the hands off muggers. Oh, so God. it was. It was good. It's just you know there was something, some something missing. I don't know what it was. But Gar- it wasn't. Gar- it wasn't Garney's art. Garney's art was fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think I'm not interested in this story. I guess more. It's basically more Wolverine origin stuff, sort of. What we discover, what we find out, is that it, it opens up with some, you know, somebody, you know, killing a whole bunch of people, and they've got kind of glowy Wolverine claws. And then, you know, then we go back and we find Wolverine meets up with Maverick, who points out to him that something's going on with Weapon X. So Wolverine goes back to Weapon X and finds that there's a whole bunch of tanks that are similar tanks than like the ones that made him. So obviously, someone started Weapon X back up, and it looks like they've created new Wolverines almost. 
Yeah. I mean, it was it was good. It was just like you know something was not there. Interesting. I liked it. You know, I was something was yeah. just missing. Same could be said for Green Lantern thirty nine, where I was just kind of like, yeah, that was good. Felt a little like like fifteen pages of stuff stretched <laughs> yeah. out to twenty two. Yeah, it felt like it could have been a one shot. Kind of. Or I guess it was. I mean, and I'm glad it wasn't. <laughs> no, I'm glad it wasn't like the Orange Lantern special number one. Right. Yeah. True. I gotta say, I was really. Not looking forward to Philip Tan's art, but it didn't bother me that much. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's much more clean and clear than it has been historically. In fact, you know, one of the things that he does really well is sort of like the big crazy page with lots of stuff going on. So that was happening. I thought the stuff about Hal being half blue and half green was pretty interesting. See, now, what, now what annoyed me about it though, and, this, and I don't know if this is the changeover from the artist, was that his representation of him half blue, half green was different than last issue. Well, I think it's because it changes through the story. Yeah. It, it, the, the influence goes back and forth from was, you know, what's being influenced more. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's the problem I, I have now is, and I had this problem with Sinestro Core War, which I sort of, you know, forget about because it ended up so strong, was that in the middle of Sinestro Core War, I was like, all right, all right, let's go. Like, I remember, yeah. I remember in the middle of Sinestro Core War thinking, all right, this is going on too long. And then by the end, it ended so strong that I forgot that in the middle, I was kind of like looking at my watch. So I, meant, I think we're at the look at the watch stage and it's time to get to Blackest Night. Yeah, definitely. Well, we've been setting it up for a long, long time. Four, four to six issues to introduce each lantern colors. It should right. have been like one issue per color, and then get then into. Well, the I don't know. I mean, I I, I understand I understand where you're coming from in that regard, but I mean, I've I've enjoyed it. I haven't felt like that at this point. You know, like I'm well, I'm this, enjoying this, the ride. This is the first time I felt like that. Yeah. I, you know, I'm enjoying it up to this point. Now I'm just kind of like, all right. So the thing is, is that I want to know what happens next, and I feel like I didn't get any of the information, but I read it for a really long time. There's a lot of splash pages. There's a yeah. lot of big things, and at the end, we didn't really have that much. And I was like, I don't really understand any of what happened. Right. You know I, I like the characters he's created. Now. I like the Orange Lantern character. I like the fact that there's only one of them because he's greedy. Right. Yeah. The, so, his, his his core members are constructs. But uh, yeah. oh, that's what that is. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, good. <laughs> It was not bad, but it wasn't the greatest thing ever. But if, I think the, the best-looking book of the week was Daredevil Noir number one, which Okay, well, this, just... this begs a question for me, though. Yeah. Isn't it well, just Daredevil? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just... Like, isn't Daredevil Noir, isn't Daredevil, like, isn't just Daredevil Daredevil Noir? Like, why do we need, like, isn't it just Daredevil? Like, <laughs> I feel like the Noir ex- the noir extension is, like, you know, like, or description is just, is forcing it a little. It's <laughs> like, it's like new fries from McDonald's, now they're fried. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. And especially Daredevil's been a noir book since Bendis took over. It's. I mean, yeah. Right. And especially uh, yeah. when, especially when the the characterizations looked very similar. Like they're kind of and it was, like X Men and Spider Man were a departure. This didn't feel like a departure. Yeah. Right. It was just like it's, a slightly different, slightly different version of the origin. Yep. Hey, his sleeves were short. Yeah. That's not enough for you. This was a superfluous <laughs> book. Yeah. It, it was. It looked but I enjoyed though. looking at every page of it. Yeah. Um, it was nice looking. Yeah. I mean, the thing they did, they moved it to the noir time period. That's that's the yeah. only change. Everything else was kind of like you could take the time period out and change the, the I year. Mean, King, King Ping looked exactly the same. Yeah, he's a man that wears a suit. How much right. different? Can well, he I look? know. So but it begs, like, what's the point then? Like, right. it really felt like I was. It was like I was like I was not interested in reading the story at all because I felt like I read it a hundred times. Yeah, this this one this one felt more forced than this X Men or the Spider Man one. Not, and, well, the X which is funny you, because it's it's not forced because they're just doing Daredevil. You know. Yeah. You have to do the powers in the other one. You have to come up with like a real life yeah. substitute because the X Men Noir had no powers, correct? Uh, correct. No, they were pa- no, they, one no, person had powers. One person had powers, yeah, yeah. but yeah, like Wolverine had had blades, and yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that interview. Yeah. There was there were some there were some powers, but not everybody was. Speaking powered. of a yeah. book that I I feel was a little pointless, <laughs> uh, Dark Rain Hawkeye number one. 
I like this new Hawkeye. Yeah. It's finally time we had a good Hawkeye. Yeah, finally. Finally, we had a, a, a Hawkeye worthy of wearing the purple costume. There's two things you can do with Bullseye. I'm taking the bait. Like, you can eat, like you, I guess you could redeem him, but you're not going to. No, you can't redeem him. I know that. So what's the point of this? Is you going to just revel in him being a bad guy? Is that the point? No, I'll tell you yeah, what the point it, was. What was the cover price? Three ninety nine. Yep. There, yeah. that, that was the point, my friend. I, re- like, I really read this, and I was like, like at the beginning, you're like, is he going to toe the line? No, he's not. And it was like kind of cool. Like you get to see him say, well, I'm going to be a bad guy now. And, and it's just like, well, of course you are. So there's no stakes for this character. At the end of it, he's going to be exactly the same. So then the middle of it has to be some sort of really extreme fun romp. But it's hard to do when your character is just like an outright murderer. Yep. Yeah. You know, it wasn't badly done, but it's just there's, there was no point. The thing I took away from the book was that, the again, the Marvel house coloring just ruined Tom Rainey's pencils. Yeah. Mm. I didn't just, notice that so much, but... I totally had a problem, because I normally really like Tom Rainey's art, but halfway through, I was like, oh, this just looks horrible, and I think it's because of the coloring. Everything's overcolored, but yeah, it was, again, it was just like, why, 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 why? I mean, bull, why? bullseye is bullseye is bullseye. He can't, he's a constant. He's never going to change or reform, so there's not much stuff to be done with him, I guess. It just felt like, a, like well, we have to put this out, because we can sell a Hawkeye. You know, he'll sell, based on that cover, you're going to sell that book, you know, but meh. You know what the best book that I read this week was? What? Uh, Superman World of New Krypton number one, but I didn't really get a chance to talk about it because it was weeks ago. But I also bought number two. You weren't wrong about making the first one the pick of the week because this is a really interesting status quo kind of thing okay. for Superman. Yeah. I was just like, wow, I'm really interested in this. This is the it's most a total added. departure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, like it's building a world. I mean, Krypton's existed before, but Superman as as part of the military working under Zod and the whole like, it was it was really interesting. Really they're totally good. world building here, and they're doing a really good job of it. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and it's 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 really cool. I, I really enjoyed it, and also I think there's been times where people have talked about Pete Woods and not liked him as much as the other guys. This was a really strong art issue for him. I thought I've always liked Pete Woods, but this issue particularly was good. No, I've um, liked him too, but there's times when his style changes a little bit, and it's a little less strong. And this oh, he's was, totally changed his style over the. He started off as a Mike Wieringo clone, and then yeah. he became. He went off on his own, and his line got really thin for a while. It looked kind of odd, like kind of like it was someone who hadn't finished drawing. Mm-hmm. But now he's—he's. He's, I think he's settled in, and it, it looks really. It, this issue was really, really good. You know, the book is if, if you start flipping through it, it's a lot of faces and yep. looks and a lot of eye acting, and it was—it was really nicely done. And also, I mean, like you know, you look at a lot of full figure images of superheroes, and I just thought like he like the body that he decided to put on Clark is really good. Like, it's just, I was really impressed by it. I kept noticing it and enjoying it. A lot of it. detail, a lot of backgrounds. I mean, yeah. a lot of detailed backgrounds. It was a really, it's a fully drawn book. There's no skimping here. Do you have issue one in front of you? Because issue two says issue two of 15 on it. I was curious what one said. <laughs> 15 is a lot. One, the first one just says first issue. Oh. And in a story, it is, the first one is number 16 and the second one is number 20. Yeah. I don't know. 15 is a lot. Be, it is. That's two years. Yeah, Travis, Fred right. Rucka. By the way, I've now noticed that James Robinson has a bowling problem. Um, <laughs> this wasn't as bad as the other one. They made sense, but there's a lot of them. I went back and I checked in Starman. He has a bowling issue. Well, he's very he's very emphatic. Yeah. So. so the pick for me for this week was Exiles number one from Marvel and Jeff Parker and who who did the pencils? Salva Espin. Yeah, Salva mm-hmm. Espin did the pencils. Do you remember Exiles from years ago when Judd Winnick was writing it? It's the Marvel porn book, wasn't it? it well, no, well, a little bit. It, basically, it's Quantum Leap in Marvel. 
And it was, you know, it, you take a bunch of characters from different realities, you know, Earth 1139 or Earth 2122 and all that kind of stuff. And you put them on a team and you they've got to go to another reality and fix something. And then they jump out and they go to another reality. It was a perfect concept that then, you know, surprise, surprise, Claremont went and ruined by trying to explain it all. And <laughs> I, I stopped reading it like years ago. And then just the fact that uh, they relaunched it and Jeff Parker was writing it. I like Jeff Parker's work, so I picked it up. And he just completely ignored everything from the previous series. This is the first issue. Re-explain the premise. We got a new bunch of characters from a different realities, and it's just Quantum Leap, and it's just fun. You know, so, like, if, if you're a Marvel fan, you know, it's always fun to see different imaginations of the characters. And this team features, you know, a version of Beast, a version of Scarlet Witch, a version of Polaris, Black Panther, Forge, and Blink comes back. And it just it, it was just it just fun. The thing is that with with this type of title, you can either try to get really deep and heady and explain it and, and have a big overarching thing, or you can just have fun with it. And this was on the having fun with an angle, and it was like exactly what I needed this week. Yeah. On the on the Jeff Parker tip, I've actually picked up the first three issues of Agents of Atlas, but I've only read the first one because oh, yeah? people said so many good things about it. So next time a regular issue comes out, we'll talk about it here. But cool. I read, I read the first one. I didn't really like yeah. it so much. No. <laughs> um, so, now you're regretting buying three. Well, I'll give it a shot. Salva Espen's art in Exiles number one was, was way fun. was very good. <clears throat> if I may. Please. The crowd howls for blood as two damaged warriors sacrifice flesh and bone in a perverse test of wills. Shigure death frenzy. Fujiki Jinosuke and Arako Sagan, two legendary samurai, share a long and violent past. Bitter rivals from the moment they locked eyes, these warriors inflicted wounds on each other that would have destroyed lesser men. As the final chapter of their saga unfolds, they must summon the strength for one last battle. A battle only one shall survive. Take home the Blu-ray and DVD on March 31st, which is already coming on. Shiguru Death Frenzy. The beauty is in the kill. Funimation.com slash Shiguri, which would be S-H-I-G-U-R-U-I for more details. That was good, but can you do it now again like you've got a secret? Fujiki Genosaki and Arakus. No, 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 no. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it was a light week. There weren't a lot of books that came out, but as always, we like to check in with the iFanboy community to see what books they were digging, and we're going with a popular edition of user reviews over at iFanboy.com. If you go to iFanboy.com forward slash comics, you can see all the comics that came out. You can pick them, pick yours. You can do your pull list, and you can rate and review them. And our first review comes from... Rusty Auto Parts. Rusty Auto Parts. Rusty Auto Parts. <laughs> <laughs> you went with a Sulu interpretation. <laughs> I saw I saw Rust, and then I saw YAU, <laughs> then I saw Top, and then I saw Arts. That's how I saw it. <laughs> Rusty Auto Parts. <laughs> Rusty Auto Parts. <laughs> You read the title in the same pronunciation style? Oh, he's not even, it's not even spelled funny. You know, it's not even like rusty, you know, like it's just straight up rusty auto parts and I totally saw rusty auto parts. <laughs> it's like I've never read English before. Captain Britain. Well, rusty auto parts read Captain Britain, Captain Britain and the MI-13 number 12, and he gave the story a 4 out of 5 and the art a 4 out of 5. So rusty auto parts says that I have zero knowledge of any of these characters. I know nothing of previous stories. I just dove right in and I feel very rewarded. Cornell does a great job writing these characters. Each one feels distinct, and I have a strong sense of their personalities based on very little information. I still don't know the background of any characters, but I feel as though I know them as people. 
I also love the vibe of this book. The concept of vampires is handled really well, and it never feels over the top in a bad way. I love the secret agent aspects of it. All in all, it's a really solid team book, and I'd recommend it to anyone. I can't imagine why Connor chose this one. <laughs> he, he wrote a really long review in the beginning, said that he had never read an issue before, but he heard such good things about it. He finally jumped on without having read anything previously. So here is an example of just jumping in and enjoying it. Yeah. So Awesome. This is our mission for 2009. Yeah, just read comics. Who cares? You know, just jump in. Do it. True Gamer 510 wrote a review of Secret 6 number 8 and gave a story of 5 out of 5, the art of 4 out of 5. And this was the number one pick of the week book for the users, 27.8%. Number one with a bullet. Community. Number one with a eh, quarter of a pick. That's usually a, a low number. Well, that, that said, though, Secret Six comes out this week. It's the number one book. It comes out last week. It's number, you know, seven, eight, right? Yes. True Gamer 510 says, This comic was so good, inspired me to write my very first review ever. Ever since Villains United, The Secret Six has been a powerhouse of great action, even better humor. Gail Simone's writing is phenomenal. She possesses an uncanny ability to craft characters who are all unique, but at the same time, equally intriguing. The art is good with a lot of over-the-top action and exaggerated expressions, but part of me still misses Nicola Scott. Not enough people are talking about Gail Simone and Secret Six, and it's issues like this that make it so unbelievable. I think a lot of people are talking about it. Did you pre-order your trade yet, Josh? No. No, I did not. So you picked up up Agents of Atlas. Why didn't you pick up Secret Six? There was three of them, and they were all right there on the shelf, (laughs) as opposed to Secret Six. Because the thing is, Marvel, as much as it is irritating to get those press releases, where we're printing going back... The reprints are there every time, so if you want to catch you know, two, three, four issues back, there's lots of reprints available. Hey, that would be really useful to jump in. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but this is eight issues in, and you know, like, there should be a trade of the first six by now. Yeah. You want to get people in the book? Do it right, do it right now. There's, it's not like they don't have the infrastructure. Yep. So, so you're going to pre-order that trade when we're done here? Uh, I got another email about that. Hey, Josh, are you, you ever made- going to read this? I was like, we talked about this. <laughs> you made your pledge. You made your pledge. I, d- I believe you made my pledge. Oh, you no, did. you did. We have it on tape. We can go, we can go back to the videotape. I believe it was my job to go back and find that, but yeah. I didn't, so. Uh-huh. Suck it. That's going to come up in your <laughs> review. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so head over to ifanboy.com forward slash comics. You can do your reviews, and you might we might read one on the show. We appreciate it when everybody chimes in. It definitely makes it more interesting, that's for sure. So, yeah, that's about it for books. Wow, we're running a little early, aren't we? You guys ready to switch it up a little? Right. Last week, we weren't here. This week, we're doing something different. Oh, boy. This past week, the nominations for this year's Eisner Awards came out. The Eisners are the comic book industry awards, the equivalent of the Academy Awards. They are, they're handed out at San Diego during the Comic-Con International every year. A group of varied people, like, like there's like five or six judges. They get together. They read a whole lot of books, and they come up with these nominations. And then, you know, this would be like if this were movies – somebody would have cared but since it wasn't we'll talk about it <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is is that like there are a lot of different awards out there for comics so the harveys is the there's a whole bunch of other stuff and you know like but yeah. the eisners for whatever reason because they're presented at san diego and because they you know like they seem to be the the awards that that, are, that matter you know you held the eisner that chuck bb got last year yes. right? i did hold oh, that eisner that, yeah it's, that a, it's a hefty prize i yeah. think that right there is why it's important yeah it's a real statue. And, it's, it, and it spins. Yes. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. I want an Eisner. Uh, <laughs> You'll never get one. What are your initial thoughts? It was interesting because when I read the list, I read it really quickly, and I thought, oh, that's a pretty good field. You know, I thought there were some good things nominated. It was nice to see works like... Um, Umbrella Academy. Yeah, Usagi Ojimbo, uh, Omega the Unknown, Echo. Yeah, they're Tiny Titans for kids. It was great. You know, that's so good. Alan's War. Yeah, I mean, that's, one of, that's, that's easily a, probably the best graphic novel I've read in a long time. And that got a bunch of mentions, which was really cool. Yeah, so like initially when that first day came out, I'm like, oh, okay, cool, I can do that. And then... A couple of days went by, 
And then I looked at it a little closer. And I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And then I realized, ooh, this isn't really a very good list of nominations. <laughs> no. I know the typical thing is to criticize and to mo- bitch and moan about what didn't get nominated. And I don't want to take away from what did get nominated because I think some stuff did. But in looking at the list, I think there was a bunch of stuff that really made me wonder what these judges were reading last year. That's my point. Or weren't reading. Or weren't reading, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's interesting because there are, there are some really good things on here. But, I mean, I think that like the things that came up as being the most sort of like the things that were really left out, I think l- local. Well, yeah, lo- the which, local hardcover not getting in the best reprint was just it was was a travesty. Yeah. Didn't it end last year, too? Yeah, yes, yeah. So it well, could have well, been a well, There was an interesting thing this year in that the judges decided to cut some categories this year. And yes. I, I don't know why. And some of the categories that were cut were the wider recognition award, which is typically like the rookie of the year award. Which Can really, I tell you, that is my favorite category every year. Yeah. You, you think about the people who have won that in the past. You know, Alex Robinson won it one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck Beebe won it one year. He's I the mean, very last winner, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck Beebe was the yeah. Well, also they had some problems with the naming of it because it used to be the talent deserving wider recognition, which sucks for the people who lose because that means yeah. you don't deserve wider recognition. But, uh, but that, that was really that was really that was really the best award for an up-and-coming creator, and now mm. that's gone. They also got rid of the best single issue, which if you remember last year, the Justice League of America issue that Brad Meltzer and Gene Ha did one. Yeah. So like, you know, and local number 12 could have could have been nominated for a best single issue if in, in my mind. And, and then like All-Star Superman as the best continuing series, like that's just wrong. Right. It's dumb. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's just outright like, it, well, it's not a continue. It was 12. It's done. It's right. over. Yeah. It was a limited series. It was always a limited series. It should have yep. been in the limited series category. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Then you had an unintentional comedy when the 12 was nominated. When it, two days later, it was announced that the book was being shelved and never, was probably never going to be finished. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we, we all learned about this was going to happen 10 years ago. If you didn't know it was got, coming. Yeah. <laughs> you got Straczynski. <laughs> and I guess, I mean, Thor... Yeah, well, in Thor's defense, and I don't agree with the Thor nomination or as many nominations, but co- apparently Copiel's art is really nice on that. It is. It's, but, it's very nice. But you want to give me JMS for best writer? Apparently. No, I, I don't want it. Please, no, thank you. I, you, you it you feels can keep to me it. like those guys are fans of his, and he has fans, and and that's fine. I'm I'm not a big fan of it, but I just feel like this year, a guy like Jason Aaron, who's knocking out homers all over the place yeah. in his own series, in Marvel work, and he's doing all these different types of books, a guy like Jeff Johns... You know, yep. who is – he's steering the boat over at DC, it, and he's doing a damn good job. It, it was it was really interesting to see if you look at it because normally like the, the a lot of the reaction with the Eisners are typically, I've never heard of these. And, we, you know, and this one has a lot of that on the list. But then, you know, but then there's also Invisible Iron Man got nominated for Best New Title. And so, like, that's kind of a little superhero-y kind of thing. But, like, no – there's no DC superhero books nominated at all anywhere. No Final Crisis, no – also, Superman is. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess that can. For some reason, I don't count that. I don't know why. Yeah, that's not because that's not DCU proper. I guess I don't know. But yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's tough. Josh, I know you had a problem with Bill Willingham. Well, you know, if you look at the best writer, it lists fables yep. and, and House of Mystery. Mystery. Well, you know what? He writes fables. That's true. He co-writes Jack of Fables, which Matthew Sturgis and him trade off arcs. I mean, they plot it together. And then House of Mystery is pretty much written by Sturgis. So yep. why are they not nominated as a writing team? You know, what yep. it, Fables was really good in the last year. They ended sort of the first epoch of the book, but then it came back not as strong. You know, or it, at least it doesn't feel that way. That feels like a legacy award. That feels like Scorsese's you know, party. Yeah, yeah, one for the departed. Fine film, but it wasn't Goodfellas. Yeah. 
Um, Which should have fucking won. Don't get me started on that. I got no complaints about it's Joe okay. Hill. I, I feel like people, <gasps> I don't read that, but people are loving that book. I mean, that's. They no. don't have a, a, a writing team. They've got pencil and inking team. They don't have a writing team award. Well, yeah, that's a tough because I think that's part of it because it's somewhat new. I think the writing team is, is fairly, you know, like, you know. Like Abnett Landing and people like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You no, know what I just, Ooh, told, those- I just totally noticed, not to, not to take away from the greatness of Dave Stewart, who got nominated for Best Coloring, which, by the way, the Best Coloring category, Trish Mulville, Val Staples, totally deserving. But under Dave Stewart, they list all the work that he did, which is like a million and one things, you know, Abe Sapien, BPRD. The Goon, Hellboy, Solomon Kane, Umbrella Academy, but they also list Captain America White. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that, that hasn't he did come a lot out. of other books besides that. It hasn't come out yet. Isn't it interesting <laughs> that all of the lettering were not typical letterers? That 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 drove me through the totally not not typical letterers. Those were not prof- No, there's no professional letterer nominated in best lettering. And not to take away from Farrell Dalrymple's work in Omega or Jimmy Gownley or Chris Ware or Nate Powell, like all those books were beautifully lettered. But like, where's Todd Klein? Where's Chris Seliopoulos? Where, you know, like there are people who do lettering for a living, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's just too much, you know. Where's Chris Schweitzer? My favorite lettered book of the year. Well, he, got, he, got he, did, he did get nominated for, for best really team book. See that. Yeah. Where's Too Cool to Be Forgotten? Yes. So when I was, when I was buying my comics this week uh, on Wednesday, I was at the Isotope and me and James Simon, the owner, were talking about it. And he pointed out, where's Batmanga? Mm-hmm. Like that, 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 Chip Kid, Chip, that Chip Kid book, that collection of all the Japanese Batman books. Where, where's The Joker by Brian Azzarello and, and Lee Bermejo? Like these are the things that don't make it? Like it was ridiculous. Too Cool Although, to Be Forgotten, I think, is a travesty. Yeah. 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 It's totally. That said, they got some things right. You know, like totally. co- comic book tattoo, totally. The the Willie and Joe book, yeah, best yes. publication design. That's the, I mean like, that steered me in from a mile away. That's a beautiful one. Kirby King of Comics. Yep, exactly. That drawing words and pictures by First Second Press. It's a how to how to do comics. It's a beautiful yeah. beautiful book. The Rick um, Eri, the Rick Erie book got, not, got a couple of nominations. The Charles Lindbergh baby book. Then. You got best cover artist. It doesn't have Jock on it. Just saying. I mean. Yeah, whatever. I I or feel Cassidy. like Matt Wagner. I feel like it's like the little clatch of judges or big Matt Wagner and Joe Straczynski fans. Yep. I don't know. I, Wagner got a lot of nominations, and I read Zorro, and it's it's pretty good. I don't know if I'd ever. Right. I have heard a lot of good stuff about Madame Xanadu, which I plan on checking out. But yeah, it's supposed to be Madame Xanadu supposed to be good, of, from what I've heard. But of the top five writers, yeah, you know, yeah. over the year, like really. Yeah. You know, it was nice. Nothing to, against them because I enjoy his work, but it's just like it doesn't. When I, you know, it doesn't leap out to me as one of the written books of the year. And it was nice to um, see. It was nice to see Echo by Terry Morgan, best new series nomination. Very nice. It's good. Yeah. And like, like I said, Alan's War is just an amazing book. Yeah. I mean, like, amazing book. Again, like it's hard to get everybody. It's hard to recognize everybody. But it's almost like there could be a whole nother oh. awards for everybody that they forgot. <laughs> anyway, so there's there's good and there's you know missing stuff. But it's a subjective thing. So yeah. if you go to ifanboy.com, there's a post called Eisner nominations announced. You can see the whole list. You know, and, and there's some g- good discussion in there. Star- the Starman on the bus didn't get any love. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's a t- I, I I don't envy the judges because there's it's, it's what about, you can't make everybody what, happy. What absolutes? I'm trying to think. There's no absolutes up there. No, which Alan, is weird. no Alan Moore again this year. <laughs> He's going to win for um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen next year. Yeah, probably. Put it down right now. I, I'm, I'm making that prediction. Okay. There it is. I said it. But if you go to your list, you see books you might want to be checking out. You go to InStockTrades.com and save the 37% off. They got free shipping on orders over 50 bucks, and they have over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock and available for order with new releases listed every Wednesday. And orders usually ship within 48 hours. 
when you order from InStockTrades.com. That's at www.InStockTrades.com. It's the uh, beginning of the month. It's a new month. It's April. And because of that, I have the, the, the responsibility, the, the task to come up with a book of the month. The way, the way that we define the book of the month is it could be any not issue, right? It could be an OGN. Yes. It could be a collection. It could be a trade. It could be anything. And for me, really, it was an easy decision that probably the best, you know, kind of book happened to be an original graphic novel that I read recently was a book that came out in like, came out in like May of 08, I think. And it's called Freddie and Me by Mike Dawson. And it was published by by Bloomsbury USA. It lists for about 20 bucks. And what it is, is that it's, this book is kind of funny because I remember walking through Jim Hanley's universe in, in New York City last, must have been late summer or early fall. Walking, walking through there, and the cover kind of jumped out at me. And I noticed that the book was called Freddie and Me, and it looked like there was a drawing of Freddie Mercury on the cover, and Freddie Mercury, the singer Queen. And I kind of filed that away, and I mentioned it to somebody. I'm like, oh, I saw a book. It looked like I had Freddie Mercury. And someone's like, yeah, yeah, the book's all about the guy who likes Queen. And I remember laughing, going, oh, that sounds like a fun book. I'll, I'll check that out later. <laughs> and so as life has it, you know, never I didn't get to pick up the book then and I kind of moved on. And then I found myself in Jim Hanley's universe again a few months later and I wasn't buying as many issues that, that Wednesday. I'm like, you know, let me spend a little more extra money. Let me go pick, find a new book. And I remembered that I saw that book and I went back and found it and I picked it up and I'm, boy, am I glad I did. Basically what it is is that it's this it's an autobiographical book by Mike Dawson. He's a British guy who grew up in England and when he was young when he was like, you know, kind of late elementary school, his family picked up and moved to New Jersey. And it chronicles his life from about 1986 until today. And the overarching theme of the book is his life in the shadow of his unfettered love for Queen, the band. And not the Queen not not the queen of england no 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 not her but the um, film the, the the band queen freddie mercury brian may and the other guys um who, who are the other <laughs> guys the elf face guy yeah who the, the guy who looks like a british lars ulrich um <laughs> yeah and it was really interesting when the, the book opens up with there's a, a timeline and it's a timeline of both mike's life and his family and as and how they grow and that's on top of a timeline of Queen and all their records as they come out. <laughs> so you can see at what point in his life did, you know, A Night at the Opera come out and all that, that kind of stuff, which is kind of cool. But it was, it was really kind of neat because, you know, one of my big favorite things is I, lo- I love music. I've, I've always been a fan of music and uh, love comics. It was kind of a good marriage of music and comics. It really kind of focused in on that idea of, of having this blind love for a band that, you know, not everybody has this. I, I happen to have, have had this for a numerous couple of bands over the years. But it's this kind of thing where you know that this band is the best band in the world, and it is your job to tell everyone. And to every time you get in a car, you got to put your mixtape in. And it gets to the point where everybody hates you, and they're sick and tired of hearing about it. But that doesn't break you down because you just know that when you go home and you put in that tape or that CD, that all's right in the world. And to read a story like that that I could relate to, layered on top of the drama of Mike's life, which, you know, was, you know, not an extraordinary life. And, and I, I don't mean to put that in the past tense. He's alive. He's not dead. I mean, he he's lived he lived a fairly normal life in the suburbs of New Jersey. And But the idea of, you know, growing up, being a teen, nobody understanding you, dealing with loss, dealing with family issues, dealing, you know, like all those kind of things that we all went through, this book was remarkably relatable. And, you know, to the point where, like, the same exact things didn't happen to me, but I could find parallels in my life. I'm like, oh, yeah, when I was that age, this happened to me. And, and I found myself, you know, I read the book, and it was another one of those cases where I sat down to read it, and I, and I finished it in one sitting. And I found myself days after 
like thinking about it and going back to the book to reread sections and then thinking about it, ruminating about it and remembering my life. You know, it's it, it's drawn in a in a kind of Alex Robinson kind of cartoony style, which isn't my favorite kind of style, but it works in this in this area. And I think the way it works is because his storytelling is so solid, and the way he kind of util, utilizes it's black and white. So the way he utilizes the blacks and the whites, and he has some really really clever kind of layouts and things like that. And all in all, it was just really really honest. It was really sincere, and I, I kind of like Queen too. So it, it was an easy read for me. How long is it? It is about 300 pages. Nice. Yeah. I had heard about this, like, must have been on Indie Spinner Rack or somewhere like a long time ago, and I made that little earmark to be like, you need to look for this and find it. Yeah. And I just, I've never actually run across it, I don't think, you know, because I've never actually seen it. I just, like, in the back of my mind, it's always been something I was terribly interested in because I love that. Right. I love autobiographical comics. I think that they're... They're a lot of fun. When they're done well, they're not always done well. But when they are done well, they're they're just fantastic ways to understand who somebody is. And then when you you mix that with sort of like that music fandom, but the other, it's really, um, I'm looking forward to reading it. There are a lot of levels that this operated on, and that's what I really like. It was it's it's ridiculously simple. You know, the cartooning seems simple, and the story, kind of the idea of the story seems simple. But it's very very complex when you get dig a little deeper. I really liked how he paralleled his life with his sister's life because she was obsessed with Wham and then George Michael. And what was interesting is that he used that as a narrative tool to tell the story that every now and then we had chapter breaks and he would move away from Mike's life and go to this kind of daydream of what George Michael's life was like at the time. And it all kind of tied together when in the 90s when George Michael performed with Queen at the Freddie Mercury benefit concert after Freddie Mercury died and that kind of followed him and his sister as they grew up and they matured. And so it really like it kind of explained his relationship with his sister through their passions for this particular music artist they like, which is great. I love the irony of him being a devoted Queen fan in the early 90s and like bitching and moaning about grunge and like and like hating Pearl Jam and Nirvana and stuff like that and dealing with the loss. You know, imagine, you know, like, you know, the thing is, you know, like imagine your idol, your music idol dies when you're in middle school, you know, mm-hmm. as a lot of people who a lot of people who are fans of Kurt Cobain dealt with and, and stuff like that. Dealing with that loss and then that's Even Kurt Cobain hadn't been around for that long. Right, exactly. Time. Yeah. And then then he juxtaposes the dealing with that loss with fast forwarding in his life when he's in the 2000s when his grandmother passes away. And so the the tying of the, the, the feeling of loss and dealing with these emotions and all this kind of stuff, it's just it's done in a deceivingly complex way, which is really which is one of the reasons why I really liked it. Was there any Wayne's World in it? Yeah, there was a the couple of moments where he bitches about Wayne's World, which is good because <laughs> it was like it was the kind of thing where you know Queen was his little thing, and then Wayne's World comes right. out, and everybody's singing Bohemian Rhapsody, and you know they just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that before. Totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. You know, so it was good. I mean, like you know, admittedly, I can, like I said, I can relate to it in terms of you know, like I, I can get a little obsessive about bands and, and feel that same way. But it, it's it. The thing is, the book's about Queen, but it's not about Queen. It's about Mike. And that's what that's why it's so good. Cool. You can get it on Amazon. Not sure if you can get it in stock trades. Hopefully they'll get it in. You can get it from them if you want. But you can definitely get it on Amazon. Great book. It's great graphic novel. Just totally get it. Especially if you're a Queen fan, why haven't you gotten it? That's the other question. And go to ifanboy.com. You can read my full written review. Let's try to knock out an email then, okay. I think, before this is over. Gary L. Writes in, and, writes in and says, I know the 90s sucked, but there were a few Valiant books I really liked. Harbinger, Magnus, XO, Man o War. I've noticed a few books that have been reprinted in hardcover, and I think the website might be newish. Did you guys read any of the Valiant titles in the 90s? Do you think they'll ever release any new trades or monthlies again? Am I the only one who cares? Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because every, like, the one in like a hundred comic fans really loved Valiant. Yes. Like, the people who read it really loved it. I read a couple, a couple of things, mostly from the image crossover, the Deathmate period. You know, I'm like, oh, I'll check out Exo Man of War or Magnus or um, uh, Archer and Armstrong. Magnus Robot Fighter. Yeah. And Archer and Armstrong with Barry Windsor Smith, right? And Bob Layton was there and Casada was there. It was Shooter. Shooter was the editor in chief, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. You know what? I, I missed them completely. Yeah, because it was you were out of boat. You were yeah, you were you weren't in comics. Yeah, Yeah. so I I know about it. Um, he also included a quote that I just wanted to um from Joe Casada, who he's he's identified to us as the editor in chief of Marvel Comics. Oh, that guy. Valiant characters were some of the best created and could have gone on to iconic statures like Spider Man ellipses. All they needed was some time under their belt. That's because he worked on them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that, but. uh... I had a good friend who read all those books. He had Harbinger, he had Exo Manowar, he had Turok. He he bought all those. He loved Valiant, and I I don't I think maybe I tried one or two and just didn't didn't care. Yeah. I don't know. But there's people that liked them really 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 liked them. Yeah, Turok. But Turok not, was the one. Yeah, they're trying to bring them back. There's some new company that has the properties, and they're there. There's a re, they're starting to reprint. I know like Archer and Armstrong went came out in hardcover, and like every couple of years somebody tries to bring them back. So like they're not going away, and you could still find them at cons if you're really interested in them. Yeah. All right, our next email comes from Daniel O, who says, I really like the characters of Cloak and Dagger, but Marvel barely uses them. I mean, the last time I saw them was in Civil War and New Avengers. I definitely think they're good enough characters to use regularly or even in their own series. What do you guys think? Daniel, you're in luck. Yes. Because Cloak and Dagger are coming Dark X-Men. Yes. They're on the, the, the Dark X-Men book. Which, I, I don't, what the fuck is that? Is it a new X-Men book? Another it's not one? a book. As Matt, If you watch the Emerald City Comic Con video, you can see Matt Fraction yell at me and point out that it's not a book, that they tease the Dark X-Men, but we don't know what they're doing with them yet. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, whatever the Dark X-Men are, there's a teaser image out there on the web, and amongst the team is Cloak and Dagger. They're being brought back in some fashion. Which is awesome. I like Cloak and Dagger. Well, Cloak and Dagger are those kind of characters that like have like a rabid fan base. They only show up every few years. But like most of the people don't really care. Yeah. I think. I don't care. Yeah. Well, you don't care because you haven't seen them. They hardly ever use. I can't even tell you the last time I saw them. But, you know, they, were, they were always Runaways, around. Yeah. yeah, but that was how many years ago? And it was barely, yeah. Yeah. They were always around like, in the talk, 80s. Talk about the late 80s, they were yeah. in like every... Now, I remember them from West Coast Avengers. Yep. Yeah, so they were they were prevalent back then, whereas now that by comparison they're they're, yeah. they're gone. All right, so if you have any questions for us, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. We'd love to get your emails. And actually, I got a question for you guys. Are you tired yeah. of your local comic book store and never having any of the latest shirts in your size? Yes. Yes. Do you guys need something to wear at a Comic-Con this summer? Yes. <laughs> then Coast City Styles can hook you up. Coast City Styles specializes in comic book t-shirts from DC, Marvel, and many of your favorite movies, including all the new Rainbow Lantern Corp shirts. Coast City Styles is an awesome site where you can get all your t-shirts. They got the Blue Lantern shirts. They got the Red Lantern shirts there. It's a great site where you can go, you know, basically you can be decked out in comic book t-shirts as much as you need. And for iFanboy listeners, we got a special offer. You get 10% any purchase if you just use iFanboy and the coupon code when you check out. So go to Coast City Styles. That's CoastCityStyles.com for geeks picked by geeks. And it's definitely the must-shop place if you want to be decked the, out in comic book styles. Lantern shirts. Um, they're, awesome. they're the new hotness. Yep. From what I understand, uh, the kids love the lantern shirt. I've been proudly wearing my blue lantern shirt, and I've got my eye on a red lantern shirt. As I learned this week, though, hope is useless. Yes. <laughs> Ple- completely useless. <laughs> and to celebrate the fact that they are a sponsor for the show, we have two uh, Green Lantern, well, lantern shirts to give away. One is a Black Lantern shirt, and one's a Sinestro Corps shirt. Also, the Sinestro Corps shirts come in two versions. There's a yellow version and a black version. This oh, is the okay. black. So it's the black one. And Glenn Weimeyer. Or Waymeyer and Joseph Lee, you'll be getting those shirts. And so you didn't have to do a thing for it. 
yet another perk to iFanboy membership. You can only win if you're a member, and stay tuned because we've got more stuff coming in just a couple of seconds. Yes. <laughs> and normally, <laughs> normally we'd be doing voicemail at this point, but we're going to skip the voicemails because we did the book of the month and the Eisners and all that kind of stuff. So next week, we're going to have a bunch of voicemails. Call in, though, because we'd love to hear from you. Call us at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. Remember earlier in the show, we were talking about giving stuff away? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe this week you noticed that uh, uh, we had a show where I talked to Jeff Johns for a while, which, by the way, that was a good time. We happened to have some copies of Flash Rebirth number one signed by Jeff Johns. And we thought, hey, what are we going to do with these? I can't use them for coasters. I um, burned mine. It was cold. Did you? I smoked mine. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I nice. smoked my comic. Do you um, feel faster? It was, uh, it was uh, rebirthing. <laughs> and uh, the three people who are going to get copies of that are David Lewis, Greg Hillard, and Thomas Gilland or Gilland. Awesome. Um, so there you go. You know what I'm real- with these giveaways, I'm really glad we don't do a pseudo like drum roll. I'm glad we don't do that. Oh, I'm, I was planning on putting in a bunch of sounds in, in post. Oh, that'd be bad. Here's Boy, something we learned from Jeff Johns. He can sign a book like like The Flash. Like yeah. He was, was he fast? We blinked and he was done. It was just He signed one he wasn't supposed to. Really? Yeah, I was like, it, was, it was Josh's. Yeah. I, was like, oh, I, don't, okay. I don't want one signed. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got to put it in a bag. Shit. He got caught up in the, uh, the conveyor belt. It's he's, kinda he's, like, he signed Connor. <laughs> he signed my phone. It's on the table, it's on the microphone, it's on the camera. Everything in sight just got signed. It was really... Right on the lens. I was like, you dick. (laughs) So congratulations to David, Greg, and Thomas. You guys won the signed Flash Rebirth number one. And for those of you who didn't win this week, stay tuned because next week we are giving away that that full page of original comic art from Mike Allred from Red Rocket 7. You can go to ifanboy.com and right on the... And there's a red post right on the homepage. You can see, you can go look at the page. The only way to win the original art or to win the flash rebirth or anything else that we did you got to be a member so you want to sign up to be a member by april 16th to be uh, eligible for the mike allred art so make sure you do that and you can check out ifanboy.com for the my pick of the week review and ron's book of the month review and all the in-depth comic book discussion the articles all the wacky stuff we put up this week it was one of those weird weeks we just threw a lot of crap up there and it was fun it's stuck a lot of it stuck so we, we kept it and you can go to ifanboy.com about to find all of our social network links be our friend. Twitter's where you can find most of the announcements and things that happen on there. And while you're there, you can go to fanboy.com slash store and fanboy.com slash Amazon to help us out with purchases, and that really helps the show. And as we mentioned, you can become an iFanboy member. You can do that at ifanboy.com slash store. What you're doing by that is you're helping support the show. It costs money to keep this stuff moving. We work on it a lot, and uh, we do need cash to keep the lights on. So um, it's really important. There are uh, many, many great, great members, but we still do need more people. If you've been thinking about doing it, now would be a good time. Like we said, we've got these giveaways. You've been hearing it. Every week we're giving cool stuff away. Just chances by numbers you'll have to win something eventually. I think that's not a guarantee. Uh, you can either sign up at $4 a month or $42 a year, um, and that will get you sort of the, the basic membership, which will get you an iFanboy prize pack, which is a couple of uh, buttons, a sticker, and a random comic book. Or you can sign up for the higher level uh, if you're feeling generous. That's $10 a month or $100 a year. You get um, the special prize pack plus a member's edition T-shirt, nice black T-shirt. And... Um, that is the deal, I think, for the most part. The Herm shirt sold out, so there's nothing to say about that. There's more in that paragraph. There is? Yes. Oh, good Lord. I forgot about the new shirt. <laughs> How could I forget about the new shirt? Thank God they're here to help me out. There's going to be a new shirt, and it's going to be up for pre-order. They're not made yet, so it'll be a little while. But if you're interested, you can put in an order for the With Great Power Comes Great Responsibility shirt. 
what is that? Well, you should probably go to the website and check it out at ifanboy.com slash store. Um, but it's a mathematical proof that proves that Peter Parker has been right all along. And it's going to be limited edition again, so you're going to want to get your order in. Get, you know, make sure you sign up for one, order it, and to ensure that you get one in a limited print run. And they're pretty, they're pretty bitchin' shirts. Um, they are pretty bitchin'. What also are bitchin' are the uh, iFanboy uh, intern t-shirts, which are still available over at the Revision 3 store at revision3.com forward slash store. And those are only fifteen ninety nine. so get them while they last. They're running out. We're down to, like, single digits on that one, actually. So if you want one, if you've been holding out, now's the time to do it. As we mentioned earlier, we got a video show every Wednesday. And last time we talked with Jeff Johns for an hour. It was a very interesting conversation Jeff Johns and Josh had. And this next week, we get to follow Ron and Gordon the Intern's Wacky Adventures in Seattle. And wacky, right? wacky indeed. So you can get that every Wednesday at revision3.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy.com or on Thursday on your TiVo, which yeah. is probably the best way. If you got a TiVo, it's probably the best way to watch. You know, after he signed the camera, I was like, what are you doing? You wrecked our camera. And he just peeled off $5,000 bills and threw them at me and walked away. I was like, what the? Nice. Jesus, you jerk. You can email us at contact at ifanboy. He's not really a jerk. ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. If you leave in a voicemail, remember to say your name. Don't go on forever and have a, have a question. But uh, have fun with it. Give us a call. We like to play those. And we'll be back to doing those next week. Have fun with it. And if you like the show, even despite Josh's delayed reaction jokes, um, you can go to iTunes and you can write us a review. And I just got a just got a I, I just checked earlier today, and we've got over 400 reviews in iTunes. Thus, victorious against our bitter rivals around comics, who only have 300. So many thanks to everybody who's left a review over in iTunes. It's a great way to let other people find out about the show. Or you can, you know, if you don't want to go to iTunes and write a review, you can just tell your friends about the show, or tell you, tell the folks in your comic store, tell your mom. I'm sure she likes to hear from you. <laughs> Let she people just gets a call. Call this night fanboy. Who is this? Why are you calling? <laughs> Let people know. Gotta spread the word. <laughs> what kind of people are these? <laughs> <laughs> That's what she would definitely say. Yes. All right, so until next week, I am Ron. I am Connor. And I am Josh. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride it where I oh, I was walking down the street yesterday and I had the um, Spanish flea song popped in my head again. But as homeless. <laughs> <laughs> That's up there. That's up there with Scottish Beatles as one of my two favorite things that Josh does. It's almost getting late enough to do that too. <laughs> my voice isn't scratchy though. Okay, back home. Glenn. How do you spell Weimar? Because I don't trust your pronunciations anymore. W. <laughs> what was that? Was like a, that was I stroked out a little. That was a little weird. <laughs> Rusty out. <laughs> Rusty <laughs> with rusty out. I said it like fucking it. what's it in the fifth element? <laughs> multipass. <laughs> multipass. Multipass. joy. <laughs> what is that? Swedish kid from The Simpsons. Uh. <laughs> Would you like some of my multipass joy joy? Oh, you gonna take me home tonight? Oh, down beside that red firelight Oh, you're gonna let it all hang out Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go round
Just send me the file. I can do it tomorrow. Okay. I have a music request. I'll send you the song as well. What? Bicycle? No, no. I was going to do Somebody to Love. Unless, right. Josh, do you have another Queen song you want to use? Fat Bottom Girls. You want to use Fat Bottom Girls? We can do both. It can be one for the beginning, one for the close. Yeah. I don't really care. Whatever. Bicycle is the best Queen song, by the bicycle way. Bicycle is great. Talks- yeah. Um, I want to. I want to break. Send me one other one. I want to break free. Is really good too. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Fat bottom girls, that. you make the rocking world go round. So. Wow. I'll just bring this. Sh- I'll just bring them in randomly throughout the show. <laughs>